You're, 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 you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. We are back. We are back. Sons of the Shoe is back. Nick Wilson, Spencer German. Spencer, how you doing, buddy? Do well, Nick. Just getting ready for the holidays, getting ready for some uh, Buckeyes football coming up next Friday. You know, all the, it's, it's that time of year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Bowl season, Christmas season, you can't beat it. Have you reached gift panic level yet where you're not sure if everybody's getting equal gifts or that you've gotten people the right amount of gifts or if you've <laughs> forgotten someone? Because uh, that hit my house this morning. So my anxiety levels are through the roof. I uh I I feel like I always get to like these first these next couple of days or like really like yesterday the 21st and you're like oh, I I still got a couple of days left to figure some things out and then you realize you're missing a thing or two and you're like uh oh. but I actually this year I think I did okay um I I haven't wrapped everything yet but I think I have everybody accounted for um so I guess that's the most important thing now it's just about like figuring out we're kind of doing a split thing cuz we're going to my parents for part of Christmas um or for for actual christmas but we're doing like a pre-christmas thing at my wife's mom's house so it's kind of like what gifts are we taking there versus what gifts are we taking here what are we going to be able to fit in the car so that's more than what i'm stressing about right now but yeah I'm, I'm with you that it's always this time of year that it hits you you forgot something <laughs> so i have been in this zen state because i finished shopping for vanessa um as quick as i ever have like this bleep was done december 10th spence okay you gotta understand i'm a <laughs> december 23rd guy when it comes to shopping so i've been living in this blissful unstressed bubble and my daughters are out at my mom's for the next couple of days kind of doing like a, a a christmas um hangout session with grandma and grandpa and you know ness this morning you know we wake up and vanessa goes uh i don't think we have enough for one of our kids and dude, it like, I don't know if, if, if your wife is this way, obviously you guys got one kid. I got three. My wife is obsessed. My wife is obsessed with making <laughs> sure all three daughters have the same amount of shit. And I just, I can't handle it. I, I think that's, I, I definitely think that's a, a normal thing though. I, I think my parents would do the same thing. They, they always try to balance it out or. I know as uh as the little, special man, appearance the, little, here? the little man's trying to bring him on. Come on. Let's, I, hey, we could use a third host. Can he cut up sound? Where's he at? Be a producer? <laughs> he yeah, my wife came out and grabbed him, unfortunately. So no appearance <laughs> for now. Um, but uh he uh he was trying to creep on what he's getting for Christmas, I guess. I don't know. Smart um, man. But That's no, a I'm... smart game right there. That's <laughs> distracted. He heard he heard us talking about Christmas. He was like, Oh, I want to hear what I'm getting. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think that my parents are always big on if one of us was getting like a really big gift. They would always be like, well, just so you know, like you only got like one big gift because and they got a couple other smaller ones. So like I, I understand. I think the balance thing is is very true as you have more children. I don't have to worry about that yet. But down the line, that would be, I'm sure, a conversation we have in our household, too. So, so true story. And I got to tell the story and we will get to Ohio State football here in just a moment. When I was four years old, my, my parents uh, did not have a lot of money when I was growing up. And my parents really did everything they could to make Christmas this great thing for these, you know, two little poor kids. And when I was four years old, my sister was about a year and a half older than me. 
we got all our gifts and dude we got for like like, like my parents could barely make like rent that month and my parents went all <laughs> out for us and my older sister looked up at my parents and said is is that it and uh, and my dad who my dad was like the sweetest man my dad never you know he, he could be a little dramatic but my dad very rarely snapped and my dad snapped and so anytime we talk about uh, who's got more gifts or who got more money spent on them, dude, my anxiety levels, it triggers <laughs> it. It's been 34 years and I still have not recovered emotionally from this Christmas moment. So anytime Vanessa's like, I don't think we got Livy enough. I'm just like, ah, okay. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> Somebody I, give me my glaucoma medication. I can't handle this. There was one year I made a comment about a gift I got. I want to say, I, I, it was like a random, I was like a teenager. I think my mom got me like this tie. It was like this Christmas theme tie. had like, um, like Christmas trees on or something. And my mom always used to tell me that, you know, if it's a really good tie, if like the pattern is cut like perfectly on the sides. And so I think I made some comment about like, Oh, this one's not cut the the way that you always try to do. And she got, she got so upset. I felt terrible. Like I, I think back to that day and I want to cry. Cause I'm like, I made my mom go sob for like a like the rest of the day. She was just so sad. And I, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it like that. It was just like, we had had conversations about that. And I just made the comment offhand and I didn't mean it to like offend her. But oh, so the upside to both of these traumatic experiences are we both learned at a young age to be, <laughs> be very thankful for what you got? Yes, and and uh, and just smile, even if you don't like it. Just smile and be thankful that somebody spent their hard-earned money or their hard-borrowed money on you, and that is the true meaning of Christmas: not being an a-hole when somebody gives you a gift. Now, unless they uh, regifted it, then you can. Then it, then if you know they regifted something, then it's fair game to be like, yeah, you know. It's at which point fun. they're just bad at giving gifts. If they let you know that they're regifting <laughs> it, they're the asshole. That's just reality. Now, uh, Ohio State, they got a gift in their recruiting class here, and that yes. was the weirdest transition ever. But <laughs> look at the breakdown here. Um, I can't remember the exact, I think it's 20 kids signed their letter of intent here in the early signing window and seven kids from Ohio, uh, three from Texas. They got a quarterback, Aaron Nolan. They got two running backs, four receivers, four offensive linemen, two defensive linemen, six defensive backs, one linebacker and a special teams player here. But the long awaited nightmares did not come true um, because Jeremiah Smith affirmed his commitment, put pen to paper for Ohio State as Ryan Day staved off those uh, those Seminoles of Florida and Miami Hurricanes at the last minute. Mylon Graham, another five-star wide receiver, put pen to paper. And then Edric Houston. And the Edric Houston stuff was pretty wild there, Spencer, because it went from um, he's signing with Alabama to about 20 minutes later, he's signing with Ohio State. It was a roller coaster, but the four biggest recruits, the two five-star wide receivers, Edric Houston, the edge rusher, and Air Nolan, all signing on the dotted line. So the nightmare can now be put to bed that that we're going to have some mass exodus. Like, let's say what's going on with USC right now. Yeah, um, I thought that uh, – well, let me say this. I actually thought that following along with signing day was almost more stressful from, from like a fan perspective – 
than watching, let's say, like that last drive against Michigan a couple weeks ago. And I don't, I don't know if it's like, well, you know, you know, Michigan's on the schedule again next year, so there'll always be another chance or whatever. Or maybe I just got, I've gotten used to the idea that maybe I wrapped my head around the idea that Michigan was going to beat Ohio State, so it was like, ah, I've kind of accepted the fate already. But you're sitting there and you're seeing all these rumors and you're seeing all these reports about this kid's going to flip and this kid's not going to flip and. You know, they're you. You see the picture of Jeremiah Smith sitting there at his high school, and he's got like this big leather bag next to him, and it's like, oh boy, is he gonna pull some stunt here and suddenly pull out like a seminal hat or something like that and become like say he's going somewhere else? So you just don't know. Like it, it's it's a high stress day. It's a for for I'm sure like it, like I'm just picturing it from my perspective as a fan. I can only imagine the the intensity level that people like Ryan Day and Brian Hartline and people within the program are feeling as they hope that they've done everything they can to convince these kids like this is the place for you come here and then at the last second they might just go out there and say yeah never mind we're going to go somewhere or I'm going to go somewhere else so um and it actually it kind of it, it kind of made for a good uh, a good live moment from Ryan Day which I know we'll get to here in a second um but yeah, I mean that 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 was, it was stressful, but to to see it all kind of come together, I think was encouraging. I I you know I I know you had Albert Breer on, uh, on on your show Afternoon Drive on ninety two to the Fan on Thursday, and he mentioned there's only like eight five star recruits that are even going to the Big Ten, and five of them are going to Ohio State. Like that's that's pretty telling of where this program is at, the level that they're at. They're still recruiting at a high level even in this NIL era. And I think that's obviously really, really good to see. It was encouraging to end the day with the, the names they had. I think for me, the big one, yeah, Jeremiah Smith, of course. But to not lose Edric Houston was massive. There's more of a conversation I want to have off of that, but I do, I'll leave it there for now. And that I think his, if he had flipped, I would have been very panicked, I think, even with the other recruits coming in about this class overall. I'm really surprised with the amount of sports content being produced in 2023. I'm like borderline shocked. Nobody's found a way to package the early signing day drama into something akin to the NFL draft. And nothing, listen, the NFL draft has that that's has been building for 30 years. What a spectacle that ESPN has turned this in 40 years, even. But like, I just think, you know, whether it was Ryan Day's reaction, which we'll get to in a moment here, whether it was Jeremiah Smith with a bag, whether it was Edric Houston's flip-flop there. And that's just Ohio State, by the way. That's that's you know, three things that came out of and oh, by the way, you lost one of your other wide receiver commits to Oregon at the last second, kind of your rare. Uh, flip on on national signing day like i'm just surprised nobody's turned this into just vintage content in a way to make money off this because i think the only thing that stops um national signing day from being even bigger one they should put on a tuesday which is the off day in the nfl so that's just scheduling pragmatics and then two I think just having somebody cobble together and go, hey, these are the 20 biggest storylines in college football. I'm sorry. These are the 20 biggest recruits. We're going to try and schedule it all so we can go Jeremiah Smith's announcements into Air Nolan's announcement into Edric Houston. Like I'm I I kind of think it would be like amazing if they did something like that. It's a good idea, actually. I maybe that's a lane that we could carve out with this show, Nick. Go national, go around and uh Go interview these people, these kids as they're making their decision. We make it a thing. I don't know. Can we get like twenty people on staff to uh, 
outsourced to each location so they can talk to them after they make their announcement like we get at the NFL draft? I don't know. There might be a there might be a path here. We'll see. Look at that. There's the future of the show. Now, you mentioned Ryan Day's reaction. So, uh, Ohio State head coach, I don't know why I set it up like that. You know where he coaches. Ryan Day was doing his press conference in Columbus the, the on Wednesday, the first day of the early signing period, and he found out on the dais where Jeremiah Smith was going to end up. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's really. It's real. <laughs> 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 yeah, if you want to address that. Yeah, you really? The floor that. is yours. <laughs> you got to address that one. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if, if everything's in yet, Jerry. You got to check to make sure it's yeah. in. Yeah, before I do something to get myself in trouble. <laughs> it's been flipping for a while, Tim. Yeah. Okay, what was the question? So, uh, a lot of people have been reacting to that video. One, I think it's pretty obvious that Ryan Day was being a little playful there. But you could, mm. there is a palpable sense of relief. But when it comes to the, like, there were there are people like legitimately debating both on our station and other stations. Oh, was he really close to fainting? No, you dumbasses. He was playing up the moment. <laughs> it was a it was a moment of levity because it was relief in there for not just himself but for Ohio State fans. By the way, video and audio courtesy of uh, Buckeyes Now. I want to give a shout out to uh, the, the source where I got it. But anyway, um, yeah, I I think that I thought it was a cool moment because not because I think. Well, first of all, I do think at times Ryan Day comes off here like robotic. Um, anyway, and so for him to sort of give you a peek behind the curtain as to who he is and just the the stress level that he's been going through as he dealt with all the, the transfer portal stuff and recruiting stuff. I did think it was cool um, to sort of have that. I, I don't know. I always get a kick out of seeing coaches like in their element as people and the emotional side of things. Um, you know, it, it's why when you see Kevin Stefanski, you know, we talk about here in Cleveland with the Browns, like when you see him give those emphatic speeches in the locker room after a game, all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, this guy, this guy swears a little bit. That's, that's cool. Like I, I didn't know that about him. Um, that's still a weird reaction, by the way, because Kevin Stefanski's <laughs> not good at cursing. That's fair. Like that's he curses fair. the way like my youth pastor used to be like, oh, gold darn it. Like, oh, gold darn it. He died for your sins. I've also like, noticed it's gotten more and more as they've won more games. Like he yeah. was kind of like keeping it more mellow. It'd be like one word here, there. And then this past week, it was just like F-bomb every every five words. Anyway. Like, if um, he ends up, if Kevin Stefanski ends up winning a playoff game, um, he's gonna. It's gonna be like um, the episode it, it was, of uh, South Park where they broke the record for the most like f bombs in, in an episode or whatever. <laughs> it's either that or it's gonna be like Cat Williams on the Coke. He's just gonna be <laughs> f and here and f and there and f and that and hose and all that. Yeah. Oh man, but no, I, I I always appreciate those moments. I do think to your point, he probably played it up a little bit more. I don't know. I don't think he was actually going to faint, but you could tell there was like a real sense of relief from him. Um, and like I said, following along that day, 
I, I felt that because, like I said, I was very in tune with, is he going to flip? Is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? So for him to kind of see that in real time, I also felt like I was the one, the one thing I was wondering was I almost felt like, cause they knew that announcement was coming at like lunchtime and they scheduled the press conference for when they scheduled the press conference. I kind of wondered if like they did that purposefully so that Ryan day kind of had something distracting him so that he wasn't just like stewing in his own emotions. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was kind of cool. I also, he, he actually left the podium at one point to take a phone call. And it sounds like when you're kind of putting the, piecing the puzzle together, mm-hmm. he left the podium to take a phone call. And I'm pretty sure it was actually a phone call from Edric Houston to kind of, you know, s- figure out what was going on and, and talk him back into, hey, you know, we, we still want you. Here's what we can do for you. So I thought that was pretty interesting that maybe that was the kind of the final straw that flipped Houston back towards Ohio state. But, um, but yeah, it, it was kind of a cool moment, I think for Ryan day. So getting to the, the, the crown jewel of this class, Jeremiah Smith, and the expectation is, I mean, I, I believe he is the highest rated Ohio state recruit ever that they have signed on the bottom line. And that includes Marvin Harrison. That includes Terry Glenn. That includes he like. is So according to, again, this is 24 seven sports. So there people use their own webs. There's different sites you can use. According to 24 seven sports, he is the third highest ever behind Quinn Ewers and Terrell Pryor. Okay. So I was just talking wide receivers, but yeah. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. 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 To just the big picture. This is a massive recruit and I think what's interesting is most people scoff at high school recruiting now and say most of these guys aren't going to play or they're going to play for a different team or you know they don't make immediate impacts I think the expectation is that Jeremiah Smith makes an immediate impact in Columbus and I think what's interesting is to start with this question which is do you think it's on Jeremiah Smith to replace Marvin Harrison Jr.? I don't think it's on him to do that because I, I think because Ohio State brings in these these top notch recruits, Brian Hartline's you know pipeline in terms of just the the receivers he gets is so vast at this point. Um, I mean, you got Carnell Tate, you got some of these other guys who are going to get you know touches and, and and looks next year. That I don't think it's all on him, but I do think that he is the type of player that will get to that level. I I am fascinated to your point in seeing how much playing time he gets in year one because i do think in this nil era i think on some level these guys want to see playing time sooner rather than later so that you don't see them enter the portal now i think people who are coming to ohio state i think they understand that they're and i, and I think jeremiah smith has talked about this you know he sees like the proof is in the pudding chris olave jackson smith and jigba marvin harrison jr now going uh michael thomas who at one point was the best receiver in football but injuries have kind of derailed his career um, like he sees that that's a place that develops you. So maybe that entices him to stay more, but that's specific to like that position. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think, but, but either way, I still think like you got to kind of throw him a, a bone of, Hey, we want you to play. We want you to make an impact on these games. So I don't know, like year one, if the expectation should be, Oh, he's got to replace Marvin Harrison jr. But I do think he's going to have that trajectory where, maybe the following season, as long as things go okay. And, and he feels like he's still wanted and he knows he's going to have a big role the, the ne- that next year in 2025, that that becomes what his, his kind of what, what how the way we're viewing him, we view, we, we will view him as the replacement to Marvin Harrison jr. I think in a year from now. So 
I, I probably should make it clear. I don't think we should expect him to play at the level that Marvin played this last year, where it just felt like any time that guy got the ball in his hands, he was a touchdown waiting to happen. And where the other team was throwing two, three guys at him, and and because other teams understood that that offense, the the success of that offense predicated more on Marvin than it did on Kyle McCord and all that. But I do think like. At Ohio State, you're not not one person is going to replace Marvin, but you might be able to piecemeal the playmaking side of things. I think Carnell Tate has some explosive traits that I think could be really exciting. But I think, listen, I, I don't think we should put the ah, let's just be cautious with Jeremiah Smith. Like, I'm gonna assume whatever bag you gave the kid is pretty hefty. I'm going to assume whatever it took to make sure that he didn't flip to Florida State. And again, like a lot of the response was he was always going to go to Ohio State. This was his people trying to secure the absolute maximum bag from Ohio State. So, like, you're paying this kid a a mint. Like, this is this. So, this should be the guy. Like, Aaron Nolan, guys, he's, you know, a, a four sub five star quarterback. Quarterbacks don't necessarily walk into college as as ready-made products, right? Um, even Edrick Houston, five-star edge rusher. It's no guarantee he's going to show up, you know, day one in Columbus and look like Chase Young or Joey Bosa. But, like, that is the expectation for Jeremiah Smith. Even if he's not Marvin Harrison, and and certainly their games are a little bit different here, but the, the, the expectation should be that he replaces a healthy amount of, of the playmaking that you lost with Marvin Harrison very well likely going to the NFL. And that that's, to me, more how I think it. Like, Mylon Graham, well, he's a step back. And by the way, he's still a five-star. He's a step under Jeremiah. I, I don't really have that high. And nobody else. Jeremiah's the guy. This is the third biggest uh, recruit, as you had pointed out, in the yeah. history of Ohio State, expecting day one impact and expecting him to be able to impact a fair amount of Marvin's playmaking. Cause that's what he is. He is a true playmaker. That's where I'm at with, with Jeremiah. I think it's okay to have expectations in NIL yeah. era for a kid like this. We also haven't even mentioned Brandon Innes, who was a, a freshman this year. And, and he uh, he's kind of expected that he, he was kind of in the same ilk of like Jeremiah Smith coming out last year, like the top receiver prospect coming in, maybe not quite as, uh touted in terms of like where he ranks all time as an Ohio State recruit but like those two together I think become your next tandem like it's been Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka before that it was Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba I think Ennis and Smith kind of become that dynamic duo that Ohio State has always seemed to have at least in in recent history so um and and Jeremiah Smith actually talked about being excited to to come play alongside Ennis so yeah, I, I think that I, I think it's obviously a massive get. I think obviously the expectation should be that he gets to that level, he becomes that playmaker. I'm just not convinced it's going to be in year one because I think Ohio State continues to kind of preach that. Yeah, we want you here, we want to develop you, but it's not just going to be a throw throw the balls out there and you play day one. So we'll see. I, I think he's going to have an impact. I think he's probably going to play more than most freshmen would. But I don't know if like year one, I'm I'm sitting here saying he's going to give you what you're missing from Marvin Harrison Jr. So we've talked a lot about the actual recruits themselves, but we've actually got to talk about the coaching impact of what happened in this early signing period, what this class signifies for Ryan Day, uh, the implications for Brian Hartline and Larry Johnson. We'll get to all that, but first, a word from our sponsors. 